Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And on today's episode, we are going to cover the question and answer segment from Tesla's 2023 shareholder meeting. Before we start listening to the clips, there was a couple of things that Elon said that I thought was interesting, but I didn't pull a clip because I can just tell you about it real quick and we can save a little bit of time. First thing was Next Gen Roadster. Uh, They think, or Elon thinks, they'll complete engineering and design on the Roadster in 2023, and and production will start in 2024. There's no firm commitment on those dates, however. And then Tesla Insurance is coming to Florida later this year, and a bunch of other places as well. All right, let's jump into our first question. And I thought this question was really nice and kind. Um, and that's why we're leading it off because it wasn't the first question of the Q and a section, but it was the first question that I chose, uh, to lead off this episode. Cause I thought it was like, again, it was a really kind question and basically is how, how are you doing, Elon? Elon, um, a lot of people have just kind of been wondering, how are you doing? So just wondering what's up, how you doing, how you feeling? We saw you were partying in Cabo recently. <laughs> so just what? Me? How- <laughs> Must've been someone else. <laughs> so how, how are you doing? Just human to human. How are you doing? Well, I have to say, it's been of a, a you know, roller coaster situation. Um, and, um, you know, uh, like, it's, it's actually pretty rare for me to be at, at, a, at a party. Um, so that, that's like the, you know, first party I've been at in, in a while. Um, and actually, I wasn't even going to go to it. Then my, my brother talked me into it. <laughs> so thanks, Gimbal. Um, so um, yeah, I have to say, like the sometimes the the the, the work pain level is quite excruciating. Um, and then and then on top of that, I get dumped on in the press. So it's like you know, it's not exactly super fun. Um, but um, you know, there was a you know a, a short term distraction because. Uh, I had to do like some major open heart surgery uh, on, on Twitter to ensure the company's survival. Um, but that, I think Twitter is now in a stable place um, and uh, obviously very excited to have uh, Linda Yaccarino join. And um, so I, I, I think Linda's going to do a, a great job uh, running, running Twitter. 
um, and uh, I'll, I'll provide obviously guidance on uh, and, uh, you know uh, technology development. But as you can see, uh, tw I think Twitter at this point has released more new features in the last six months than it has in the last six years. So, you know, obviously this is not a Twitter meeting, but uh, but. <laughs> But, but, but the, the, the larger point is that I feel at this point I don't need to devote incremental time. Uh, the amount of time that Twitter will take going forward is, is uh, relatively small compared to the last six months. Um, so, yeah. Um, you, know, I, you know, apart from, like, the, there's, like, some macroeconomic things that we can't do anything about, um, overall I feel uh, very good about the health of the companies and... Um, I'm increasingly uh, optimistic about the future. Uh, thanks for asking. It's kind of you to ask. You know what? You can't keep up the pace that Elon claims to have in terms of his work, uh, the amount of hours that he works and the amount of hours that he sleeps and the little outside of the eating or sleeping or working that he does. You can't keep that pace up for a really long time. It's just not good for you mentally. And we saw a little bit of current Elon during production hell of Model 3. Like <laughs> there was there was a lot uh that Elon was doing during Model 3 that was just kind of random and and then we got a more calm and subdued Elon during the rollout of Model Y. So he seems to strive on those chaotic situations which isn't healthy. That's not a healthy thing to want to put yourself into uh, moment after moment after moment. So, but I do, I do think this was a thoughtful question and a, a good answer by Elon. He did mention that he gets dunked on in the press. He brings a lot of that on himself. So, you know, there's that. And he made a little comment uh, about Twitter about how they did more feature rollouts in six months than Twitter did in six years. And I'm just going to be honest, some features can be very easy to implement and some are hard. So how are we measuring this? Is it an Apple's, Apple's measurement? Like, I genuinely think this was a dig at Twitter's former management. But, you know, there's other people that work there that currently work there. You don't want to um, belittle your employees. Next up, Meet Kevin on YouTube is going to ask Elon about advertising. Hey, Elon, meet Kevin here. Hey, how's it going? Good, thanks. So uh, Tesla is the largest position in my ETF, ticker PP, and uh, <laughs> that's for pricing power. Right. And uh, I'm curious, I really think that some of the features that you highlighted here, like the uh, over-the-air airbag deployments of improving yeah. the features, the safety features, are great things that we could be advertising. For I know you've heard this many times <laughs> before. I know you sure. have. But I, no, no. Five, I, I sorry, to, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Five hundred twenty-five bucks off every car this year is half a Netflix's advertising budget. Thousand bucks is the entire Netflix advertising budget, and I see their ads everywhere. Why not advertise these things that you told us here? I feel like nobody else knows about this. I just sure. talked to Gordo, the Tesla bear, and he's still talking about twenty sixteen New York Times pieces. These people are in the past, I mean, man. That's like seven years ago at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, it's actually, I, I talked to a lot of people and they still think that like Teslas are like super expensive. I'm like, no, actually the starting price for a Tesla is below the average auto price in the US. That's like, and that's a good thing. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's good that it's that way, you know, like we're, our, our goal was always to make cars that are affordable to the general public. Um, so... 
So I, I hear you. I mean, I think, um, and, and it's indeed ironic that, you know, <laughs> Twitter is like highly dependent on advertising. So, um, you know, here I am, it's like, uh, you know, not, never used advertising really before and uh, now uh, have a company that's highly dependent on advertising. So um, I, I guess I should say advertising is awesome and everyone should do it. <laughs> But, but I, I, I think I, I hear your, your uh, sort of larger point, which is that um, there are um, amazing features and functionality about Teslas that people just don't know about. Um, and um, so, yeah. And, and, and although there's, there's obviously a lot of people that uh, follow, like, say, the Tesla account and, and, and the, uh, uh, you know, my account, whatever, on, on Twitter, um, uh, to some degree, it is preaching to the choir, and the choir is already convinced. Um, so I, I think what you're saying um, does, does have some merit, and um, you know what? I, I believe in taking, taking suggestions, so um, we'll, we'll try a little advertising and see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> Okay. All right, I, was, I, wasn't expe- I wasn't expecting that level of enthusiasm. <laughs> but uh, okay, it's, it sounds like our shareholders, if I read between the lines, <laughs> subtle as it is, are saying we should probably do some advertising. Okay, very well. <laughs> I think Tesla should advertise, absolutely. I also think that Tesla was already planning on advertising or at least moving in that direction. And I don't think Kevin made Elon change his mind. I honestly think that Tesla was heading that direction anyway. And then on top of that, you know, he did mention that Twitter runs on advertising. So I'm curious if most, if not all of Tesla's advertising budget, as small as it may be, will uh, go to Twitter. Let's move on. Uh, this was a really good question about FSD stumbling blocks. Like, kind of once you get FSD near perfect, what are the stumbling blocks after that? So let's listen to that. Hey, Elon. Um, I'm John, or Dr. Know-It-All on YouTube, and I okay. don't know it all. But anyway, my question is, as you guys move completely or finish the transition and full self-driving from version 1.0 of the software to 2.0, what do you perceive of as the like potential stumbling blocks after that? Because it seems like that's the major, you know, kind of step change that needed to happen. And so you're almost done with that. And what happens after that? And also, please let me interview about you, you about full self-driving. Like, I'll, I'll spend two hours talking <laughs> to you about just that. So, thank you. Well, there's, there's, there, when you can really think about uh, full self-driving as um, a sort of a march of nines of reliability. So you, we, we, we need to get to the point where... The probability of injury is uh, l- lower than that of the average human driver, and then ultimately, probability of injury is much lower. So even at the point at which the car uh, is capable of driving itself, there's still actually a lot of work to do. Because um, you know, every year there's a million people that die in auto accidents, and I think uh, probably everyone in this audience has uh, friends and family uh, that that have died or, be, or been seriously injured in uh, auto accidents. Um, and, and for every, there's like a million people that die, there's, there's 10 million people roughly that are seriously, like permanently injured. Um, and, um, and, 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 and so it matters that we, you know, if, if, if we can get that, um, 
down by an order of magnitude. You know, there's like 900,000 lives saved per year, maybe 9 million severe injuries prevented per year. Um, and so that, that really, I think, morally has to be our primary goal. All right. I don't have much to say about or anything to say about the FSD stumbling blocks, right? Uh, this is just really hard, a really hard problem to solve. But what I do have to say is if you care this much, why are we pricing FSD so that only super rich people can afford it? My wife and I make a really good living, and I cannot afford a $15,000 upgrade to the car that I just bought. That would be, that's ridiculous. That's a lot of money. So why are we charging so much for that? I get it. If people want to put their vehicles on the robo-taxi network, charge them more for FSD. That's totally fine. But don't charge somebody for what you are calling a safety feature. And, you know, it's kind of left up in the air if it's really a safety feature or not. But don't charge somebody more for safety just because at some point in time, people might be able to use it on the robo-taxi network. And uh, by the way, in the beginning of the question, the gentleman asked Elon for an interview. Elon did agree to that interview as long as it was on Twitter. And I think that interview actually happened. I, I haven't listened to it, but I'm pretty sure I saw something about that on Twitter. Next up, we're going to get a question about lithium mining with a little Dune reference slipped in. So... <laughs> I thought it was, I, I giggled. Hi, Elon. I'm Josh Phillips, long-term retail investor. My question's about uh, battery-grade lithium supply in the next 10 years. Um, you know, lithium experts all agree that mines are just not coming on online fast enough uh, to meet battery supply. And actually, Drew Baglino pointed this out recently. Some mines take 10 years plus to be permitted. And even GM has actually announced like huge lithium deals that will like secure away supply from the rest of the industry. So what's Tesla's plans to get more supply of lithium uh, at, at the mine level outside of refining, uh, but also uh, at a deeper level than a traditional offtake? Because as we know, he who controls the spice controls the universe. <laughs> sure. Um, so... Um I actually think that the, the, the industry analysis is, is incorrect, um, and the, the, the constraint is fundamentally that of processing. Um, so, um, now our refinery in Corpus Christi that we're building is um, you know, primarily oriented towards refining spodumene, um, of which there is a truly vast amount in the world. Um, about... I think about three-quarters of our lithium comes from Australia. Um, and frankly, you could increase the rate at which the mines are operating. Um, and the limiting factor is, uh, is, is, is not how fast can you mine, but how fast can you, can you process. So the, 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 the mines are only going to produce ore at the rate at which refineries can handle the ore, or it's pointless. So um, I, I think my opinion, and obviously I, I could could be wrong about this, but is, is that it's, it's really not, not about the lithium ore. Lithium is extremely common. Lithium is everywhere. In every, every country, has got lithium. It's, it's not like oil. So lithium is one of the most common elements on Earth. Um, but taking the lithium ore and refining it to battery grade is extremely difficult because the purity levels required for a battery are extremely high. If you have even a small impurity, then uh, you will degrade the life of the cell dramatically. So you need ultra-pure uh, battery-grade uh, lithium, and that's why, that's why our focus is on refining as opposed to, to mining. Thank you. 
as you know, the show progresses every year, I learn a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. The thing that I took out of this uh, question was, it's not how fast you can mine the lithium, it's how fast you can process it. Now, I know Elon has said that in the past, but for whatever reason, it didn't cement into my thick skull, but it has now. And that's important for me, because going forward, when we look at this stuff, whether it's Tesla or another company talking about you know, uh, their, their battery progress, that's something that we can refer back to, right? So our next question is going to be about 4680 battery cells. And the person is basically asking, where are we at now? And where will we be at in the near future? When we're thinking about 4680 battery cells, should we be thinking about the efficiency and the performance we're getting today? Or is there some updated timeline path that we could see closer to battery day presented efficiency, performance that we can look to in the future? Um, well, well, I think, first of all, it's really important to expre- like, express the difficulty of, you know, like for Tesla to go from, from nothing to making a battery cell that we aspire to be better than any other battery cell on Earth, even when compared to companies where the only thing they do is make a battery cell, uh, is, is obviously not a trivial exercise. Um, that, that said, uh, we do see a path to, to you know, high, very high energy density and higher energy density and lower costs than, than anything else out there. Um, but, it, but it's a hard path. It's a very hard path. Um, and, and normally, this, it, it would be absurd for companies to attempt such a thing. And no other car company is, is, is really attempting to do anything like this uh, in, in a serious way. So I, I guess technically BYD, because they started out as a battery company. But um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, but I think we are tracking to success in that regard. I don't think it's fair to say that other car companies aren't trying to figure this out at the same level that Tesla is. Tesla's probably a little bit more advanced than, let's say, Ford in terms of developing batteries. But Ford is also working with CATL and, well, I don't know if they're working with it. Ford's working with other battery manufacturers who are, who are trying to solve this problem as well. And Ford's going to be a big customer. So, of course, Ford has uh, people who are researching battery technology and they're working with other people from other companies that are researching on battery technology. So I, I don't know. I don't think it's fair to say that other companies aren't trying to figure out how to make this cheaper and more energy dense because that's, that's how everybody makes money. These companies are looking for a carrot. They're not, they're not looking to be continuously beaten with a stick. So, of course, these companies are, are looking at this stuff and trying to solve it as well as Tesla. And you know what? I would have liked Elon to lay out a little bit of a timeline, but he didn't. Next up, we're going to hear a little bit about Cybertruck production. And in the, in the question, he asks Elon about the Cybertruck, but he also asks if Elon's going to step down or retire. Spoiler alert, he's not going to. Elon mentions AI, which is artificial intelligence. And then he also references AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, which is a little bit different than AI because it's trying to learn and understand like a human does. 
Now, having said that, here's the clip. Once Cybertruck is fully ramped in Austin, what is the target production? And also, there's some rumors that you're thinking about stepping down as CEO. Please say it ain't so. <laughs> it ain't so. Uh, so. Um, yeah, so I, I think Tesla's going to play an, an important role uh, in, in AI um, and AGI, and uh, I, I think I need to oversee that to make sure it's, it's good, so, because um, that's, that's a thorny problem if there ever was one. Um, you know, like, uh, I, I think generally people do not, um, or very few people, even in the AI community, do not um, uh, appreciate uh, just how much capability Tesla has in AI. Um, it's by far the most advanced real-world AI. There's no one even close. Um, and um, reality has the most degrees of freedom. So I, I got to make sure that's good. Um, sorry, and, and you were saying something? Cybertruck fully ramps. Oh, here yeah. Um, production. So, as I said, you know, we'll start production later this year. We'll start handing over cars later this year. There will be an S curve of production, so it'll be slow at first, and then and then ramping up. Um, and I guess we'll see what the demand is like. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think there's. We're likely to do probably um, a quarter million a year, I think, maybe more. Um, again, very much dependent on, on, on what the demand uh, is like. And, um, and it's, it's, you know, we, we don't just need to ramp up production, but we also need to, to um, improve the, the, the production cost efficiency, so that, which is going to be also a very, very hard thing. So... But I'd say it's, you know, a quarter million a year is, is a reasonable guess. Um, and it, it might be 500,000, I, I don't know. But we'll, we'll make as many as people want and can afford. Um, and, 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 but, and then, like I said, it's, it's going to be hard to make the, the cost of, uh, affordable because it is a new car, new manufacturing method. So um, in, in the grand scheme of things, relative to the production rate of all the other cars we make, it will be small. Um, but it's still very cool. So I don't have any hard numbers to prove this at the moment because it is uh, 10 o'clock at night and I'm not going to look it up. But it seems like, based on this clip, that Elon is, is readjusting his expectations or Tesla's expectations for Cybertruck because 250000 a year, um, it's going to be, he said it was going to be quite expensive because of the, you know, it's hard to build seems like a little bit of a departure from previous statements that he's made. Now, maybe I'm just reading too much into this. You let me know. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. Tell me if I'm, I'm maybe, maybe I'm just misremembering. But I kind of thought that Elon was saying that it would be the best-selling truck, if not the world, in the United States. Uh, that, was, that was the goal. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I made that up. I don't know. But, yeah, seems like we're readjusting the deck a little bit, which is fine if they don't think they're going to sell all that many of them because they're going to be super expensive. 
the next question is about developing talent. I thought this was a great question. Good day, Mr. Musk. Hello, my name is Delia Archer. And this question aims to address Tesla's efforts in developing skilled workforce, attracting diverse talent, and promoting career opportunities within the company. When I look around, I see a lot of young faces, and I think about internships and apprenticeships for students in high school and beyond. My question is, are there any plans to expand existing partnerships and explore new avenues for collaborations with educational institutions and nonprofit organizations to attract the next generation and vary career pathways? Um, yeah, actually, we, with, with uh, all of our um, uh, gigafactories, we work with the, the, the local schools, um, actually from the high school level, community college and university, um, because it's incredibly important to foster the talent for the factories. Um, as you saw from the, the employment numbers, we actually need a lot of people. Even though we've got a lot of automation, we still need a lot of people to operate the factories, um, and it really matters that they have the, the right training. So uh, we're big believers in, in uh, reaching out to uh, educational institutions, uh, and um, because, uh, frankly, it's in our interest to do so. Um, so uh, thank you for asking the question. I don't think there was anything in this question or this answer that we didn't already know, but I do think it is important to recognize that Tesla is developing in the community. Now, it's in their best interest to do this, uh, but it's also good for the people who are in these schools learning these skills because this is an emerging market. This is huge. Like some of these kids can can go out and you know be the next uh, big named battery scientist or whatever, develop something cool. So I think that it's good that companies are investing back in the schools. And I know that other companies do it. It's just not, it's not just Tesla. All right, we're going to get another little Optimus update. And it's a more realistic Optimus update uh, as it stands right now. So let's listen in. Has anybody asked Optimus's opinion of, of Mars? And <laughs> does he have a ticket yet? Uh, well, you know, Optimus is not uh, a deep thinker at this point. Um, so uh, Optimus is uh, still, you know, figuring out how to do basic stuff. Um, like, it, like it, it, it couldn't make, uh, you know, cook some eggs or something quite yet. Um, it, it, so we need to get Optimus to the point where uh, it has um, reasonable ag agility and can and can do basic things. Um, and um, you know, and we're aiming for it to, to start off doing simple tasks that are sort of boring and re repetitive um, or, some, or dangerous, uh, basically jobs people don't want to do. <laughs> so that, that's, our, that's our goal, uh, and, and um, I'm confident we'll, we'll achieve that goal. Um, and then uh, we, we've got to figure out how to make it at scale, make sure that the, robots, the robot is safe. Um, I think it's going to be very important to have um, a local means of turning it off, um, so safety is going to safety is going to be extremely important. Um, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, but but right now it it is not at an intelligence level where it's pondering uh, questions like Mars. Um, but perhaps it will be one day. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So basically, Optimus is a baby. Optimus is an infant. So hopefully, maybe in a couple of years, we might get a toddler Optimus. But right now, they're a baby. It's a baby. When Elon mentioned uh, Kill Switch, I instantly thought of that Simpsons episode where they're in the theme park and all the animatronics are coming after the Simpsons. Made me laugh. All right. Uh, the next question is about Tesla security. Also a great question. My question is, with the rise in cybersecurity threats to operational technology and Internet of Things, what steps is Tesla taking to protect the company itself and its products from these threats? Also... As a suggestion, because I know you like suggestions. For the navigation, do you think we could do something on the UI that adds in when you're about to take the off-ramp to show a picture of that exit, kind of like other map systems do? Um, and then also... Oh, man, this is a lot of questions. <laughs> one of my friends wanted to get a shotgun from you, if that's possible. Okay. Um, well, we are, we are constantly improving the navigation system. Um, and uh, uh, being... Robust to hacking is incredibly important. Uh, in fact, we um, uh, conduct a lot of sort of uh, third-party hacking uh, co contests to uh, try to get the, the best hackers in the world to break into our cars. Um, and actually, no one has yet actually broken into a, a Tesla in a way that would allow you to really control the car in a significant way. But they have gotten to where they can like honk the horn and mess with the infotainment system. Um, and I'd like to thank them for their efforts. <laughs> um, 
So we, we take information security uh, extremely seriously. Um, for navigation, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely things we can improve there. Uh, but really, uh, down the road, navigation uh, visuals are not going to matter very much because the car is going to take you wherever you want to go. Um, yeah. Uh, as for pictures, I, I I have to I have to decline, unfortunately, because otherwise, if I say I, I hate being I actually hate being rude to people. So if, if I say yes to one person, then it's 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 like selfies for a zillion. Uh, you know, it gets kind of gets kind of crazy. So. Um. I think it's great that no one's ever managed to take control of a Tesla in a, in a meaningful way. Couldn't help but notice that he didn't mention that there were Tesla employees passing around videos from people's cars, private videos, videos of kids being drug along a car, you know, that kind of stuff. Didn't mention that part, but... I would like to know what Tesla's doing about that so that it doesn't happen again. That, that would be very interesting to me. Other than that, I don't have anything else to add. So we are going to go uh, to our final clip, which is an FSD timeline. So here we go. Would it be possible to have just for uh, some type of public-facing, investor-facing kind of timeline? So that way, you know, we, you mentioned V12 is coming, and that's, you know, AI front-end. We, could we just see kind of a timeline on... This is the version we're at. These are the things we're working on, and this is when we're, you know, ETA. So we can kind of see that in real time instead of uh, maybe Elon time. <laughs> no, so so the, the the thing that's been, um, you, you know, um, really difficult with uh, full self driving is that uh, it, it's it's it very often seems like it's about to to happen until you realize that you're actually at a local maximum. And that you need to re-architect uh, elements of the software uh, to get out of the local maximum to, to then a higher local maximum. So it's been this sort of series of logarithmic curves, um, and, and that's why it's been like uh, it seemed like oh, if you just extrapolate this on a straight line, it gets to self-driving. Except that it, it, it's not a straight line; it's a logarithmic curve, and it, it sort of and you, and you start hitting these like local maxims where you'll sort of asymptote to a certain capability and then have to re-architect things. So now I, I think we're, fi we're finally at um, a high enough local maximum, or will be this year, where to, to the point where it is, I think, probably safer than, than a person, meaning the probability of injury on average uh, will be better than, than a person, even if, the, even if someone pays no attention uh, to, to the car. It, it is worth saying that, that right now, um, for human-supervised uh, Tesla's full self-driving, it is dramatically safer than manual driving. It's like, I, I think, like four times safer, maybe more. Uh, so it is already a massive safety improvement to have human-supervised uh, FSD right now. Um, and I think we will, we will get to the point um, where we're always going to be in some amount of local maximum, but I think that we'll be in a local maximum that exceeds uh, human... Uh, human level safety this year um, yeah but I guess we'll see I guess we will see Elon I guess we will see I actually thought this was a good answer uh, I do think that it contradicts uh, a, a comment that he had earlier about FSD coming out this year which the crowd I almost put it in because it's kind of funny but the crowd was like yelling at him not to say it 
Um, but he did say it in a roundabout way anyway. Yeah, it was it was a funny moment. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought a good shareholders meeting. We didn't get anything that rocked our world in terms of information, but it was good, solid information. The, the problem with this is that Tesla is now a mature company. And while they still have a lot of fun, and Elon has a lot of fun, that's the, the reason why Tesla has a lot of fun, it's largely because of Elon, is the problem is, is, you know, Elon's a little bit more guarded. He doesn't say as much as he used to. He used to be very off the cuff and just say whatever came into his mind. He doesn't do that anymore, which, you know, <laughs> may be a good thing because he doesn't do that with Tesla, but it may be a bad thing because he does it with everything else on Twitter. So, da 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 da. Moving on. Uh, so that's it. I'm gonna end it here before I get myself in trouble and say something stupid. Hey, if you you know what, if you like what we're doing here, you can support this show for a dollar and get an ad free experience. And all of the money that you put towards this show only goes towards the show. None of the money goes into my own pocket to pay that stupid Model Y that I just paid for. Just like today. I don't have the Model Y yet. My wife and I couldn't be together on the same day to sign the documents. So we just went to the Tesla store, showed up, handed them a check, two checks, and signed the paperwork. And then I can pick up the car on Saturday. So I'm really excited about that. Anyway, my whole point to this is that none of the money that you contribute to the Patreon goes towards anything that I do in my general everyday life. All of the money goes back into this show to make it better. For instance, at the beginning of this year, I was able to go to CES because of some of the money from advertising and the money from the Patreon. So it, it means a lot when you guys contribute. So everybody who is currently contributed, thank you. And if you're considering it, uh, give it a look. See, see what you think. And if you don't like Patreon, that's fine. You, there's a link in the show notes for ACAST Plus when you can get an ad-free experience for as little as a dollar there as well. All right, everybody. That is it for me this episode. In our next episode, we're going to talk about the actual business of the shareholders meeting, not the, the cool stuff that Elon talks about or gets asked about, but the actual shareholder business. We're going to cover that. Now, that one's a little bit nerdier. That requires me to do some homework. So I'm going to say that episode will be out on or before Saturday, but it definitely won't be out tomorrow. So uh, I have to actually do some research and, and reading which is dumb, uh, to be able to put that episode together. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you probably Saturday. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.